0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله يحمد الشاكرين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضياء وعافية الأبدان والشفائها وصل الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد Today's subject is with regard to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Sharif and the city of Jerusalem for those who intend to visit the city of Bayt Al-Maqdis and make ziyarah of the masjid regarding which Rasulullah said لَا تُشَدُّ الرِّحَالُ Illa Al Haram Wal Masjid al which is what that the rides are not prepared, you don't prepare any journey except three masajid. Which three masajid Al al Haram, which is in Mecca al Mukarrama, where the Kaaba al Musharrafa is located, and then Al Masjid al-Aqsa Sharif. And the third one is al-Masjid al-Nabawi al-Sharif. These three masajid are emphasized in the hadith for their high esteem, high virtue in Islam. And of course, in Islam, the noblest cities are what Mecca al-Mukarrama, al-Madina al-Munawwara, and then Bayt al-Maqdis, which is the city of Jerusalem. Damascus comes forth because Rasulullah sallallahu visited Damascus also in his childhood when he went on trade with Abu Talib. During that time Rasulullah sallallahu visited Damascus and because of the location, having many Anbiya buried there and Sahaba Ali Muridwan buried in Damascus. Cities like Baghdad were constructed later. Baghdad was constructed in the Abbasi period. So there was no city of Baghdad during the time of rasulullah sallallahu wa wasallam so therefore the fifth most important city may be uh, the city of cairo and then you have a tartib of other cities also but these three cities have an immense virtue because of the, the location of those masajid within those cities and makkah al mukarrama is designated as al haram al sharif why is Mecca Al-Mukarram Al-Haram Al-Haram means that the entire area is a sanctified area where people cannot go hunting for animals they cannot uproot trees with the exception of certain reasons and the area is what deemed a sanctified area and that was sanctified in the time of Sayyiduna Ibrahim a and then rasulullah had the city of al-madinah al declared a haram so between jabal uhud which is in the north of al madina al-munawwarah and Jablu Air, which is in the south of al-madinah al-munawwarah whatever comes in between these two mountains from north to to south is a part of al-haram al-nabawi and then the al harra al sharqiya and Al-Harratu al which are the two lava tracts on the east and the west of al Madina al-Munawwarah. This signifies the boundary of the Haram. So uh, Makkah al-Mukarramah is a Haram and al madina al-Munawwarah is a Haram. As for Al-Masjid al-Aqsa, the city itself is not a technical Haram but as-Sultan Salahuddin Aliubi Ta'ala, he would refer to the Masjid complex, which is the Aqsa complex as Al-Haram Sharif, not in the technical sense, but in the sense that that region is sanctified and can never be violated and tampered. The reason for doing that was after the emancipation and victory of A sultan Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, Rahimallah, with his foresight, brilliant foresight, he declared that Masjid Al-Aqsa complex as Al-Haram Al-Sharif, so later generations of Muslims know that the entire complex cannot be violated. The violation of any part of the complex is a violation of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa itself. So Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Sharif itself, what is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Sharif? Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Sharif is the land upon which the second masjid on earth was constructed. So the first masjid in the Sahih Hadith, it mentions that the first masjid that was constructed was in Makkah al mukarrama and where Al-Ka'bah Al-Musharrafah is located. So the Kaaba itself, Al-Ka'bah Al-Musharrafah itself is rectangular. The original Kaaba was rectangular and it had two doors. One from where the Hateen, the second, the semi-circled area is located and the second door is the current door. So people would enter one door and they would come out of the other door. Later on, there were a few times when uh, the Kaaba was reconstructed. In history, there have been only a few times. One of those times was when the Quraysh reconstructed the Kaaba. When the Quraysh reconstructed the Kaaba, they left the semicircled area void. they placed what is known the, the wall the semicircled wall as a Hatim that is known as Hatim. So today when we go to the Kaaba if you enter the Hatim you are actually entering the Kaaba itself. So the Kaaba originally is rectangular, not cube. And the original structure, uh, structure is rectangular but then later on the cube was made and the uh, Rasulullah left it as such. So Abdullah bin Zubair did reconstruct the Kaaba rectangular after which when Hajjaj bin Yusuf, when he, when he martyred Abdullah bin Zubair he returned the Kaaba back to its original shape. Back to the cube shape and similarly the black cloth is not essential for the Kaaba but it's become urf, the custom so because of that the people have kept the custom of the black cloth the Kiswa of the Kaaba does not need to be black it can be any color but the tradition has remained as a black Kiswa now the Masjid al-Haram was the first Masjid constructed in the time of Sayyiduna Adam a. 500 years later on the site and the location of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa the second masjid was constructed which is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Sharif but where was it constructed the current site that we have is known as the Aqsa complex that is not only where the gold dome is located or where the masjid at the front in the southern direction is located that masjid that's on the there are two masjid buildings on the complex but those two buildings are not only al-masjid al-aqsa the entire complex is al-masjid al-aqsa so the ground when you enter the doors you are entering the masjid that is al-masjid al-aqsa but what is the history and how did we come to the current form of al-masjid al-aqsa sharif as i mentioned that 500 years after Al-Ka'bat al-Musharrafah was constructed, Sayyidina Adam was commanded to construct the second masjid, which was Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. The name Al-Aqsa itself, that is the reference point in Arabic. So in Al-Quranul Kareem where Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi laylam masjid masjidil harami, إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ الْأَقْصَى الَّذِي حَوْلَهُ لنريه مِنْ آيَاتِنَا إِنَّهُ هُوَ al الْبَصِيرُ This verse makes a reference to Al-Aqsa. Uh, glorified be He or transcendent from all faults. سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي Who made His servant travel by night. Laylan at a small interval in the night. مِنَ al الْحَرَامِ From Al-Masjid Al-Haram, which is in Makkah Al-Mukarramah, ilal masjid al-aqsa to the furthest masjid because that is the name that furthest masjid that we placed our baraka our blessings in it surrounding it that means the intra- entire precinct not only the masjid but the surrounding city and the surrounding areas are blessed barakna around it now here it's referred to as Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Al-Aqsa means furthest masjid. This is in reference to, from Makkah al mukarrama the furthest masjid at that particular point was Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. There was no masjid beyond the northern hemisphere, in the northern direction, beyond Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. So the name became Al-Aqsa. The Zionists today, they attempt, to propagate that Al Masjid Al Aqsa is not mentioned in Al Qur'an Al Karim. So, the common propaganda that is spread in the illegal state of Israel today amongst Jews and Arabs is that Al Masjid Al Aqsa has no historical reference in Al Qur'an Al Karim. And some, a minority of people, attempt to say that Al Masjid Al Aqsa here refers to some location in Arabia it doesn't refer to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. But of course this is false because by un- unanimity, ijma, there is consensus amongst all the Muslims that Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa historically has always referred to the Masjid which is located in the city of Jerusalem today. So after the construction of Sayyiduna Adam as, as what occurred, with uh, al Kaaba al-Musharrafa, with the time, the building became derelict and o- over time there was Tajdeed, renewal. So when different Anbiya'a was sent, they would renew the construction. So Sayyiduna Ibrahim, Salaam, he reconstructed the Ka'bah as we know in the Ayat, in the verses in Surah Al-Baqarah where Sayyiduna Ismail and Sayyiduna Ibrahim Aleyh, As-Salam, they reconstructed al kabatul al-Musharrafah from its foundations and he stood, Sayyiduna Ibrahim stood upon a rock which is now known as what? Maqamu Ibrahim, the station of Ibrahim salam. When he stood on the rock, the two footprints became embedded in the rock. Later on, that rock was preserved. And when he would stand on the rock, the rock would rise with him and he would construct the walls as the walls went higher. The rock was preserved and this became known as Maqam Ibrahim. The Maqam of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, is ref- referenced in Al Qur'an Al Kareem. And it's a part of the rites of Hajj and Umrah that if you are able to, you pray two raqqa'atayn, two cycles of prayer behind the Maqam of Ibrahim. Alayhi salam. In the Umrah when you finish, you pray two cycles behind the Maqam of Ibrahim if you are able to do so. Initially, the Maqam of Ibrahim was attached to the Kaaba itself. But later on, what happened in the time of Sayyiduna Umar there were floods. Because the Kaaba isn't at the lowest point in Makkah al-Mukarramah. So what happens is sometimes floods occur. And when the floods occurred, the of Ibrahim السلام, became detached so they placed it in its current location and what happened is that the, in, if you look at the pictures from uh, the Uthmani Khilafah you will see that there is a major construction built over the Maqam of Ibrahim What happened later in the time of Al-Malik Abdul Aziz who is the founder of the Saudi dynasty the third Saudi dynasty what we of today is the third dynasty he placed a smaller construction over maqam ibrahim which we observe today that is the location of the maqam of ibrahim and of course the uh, the current location is the same location as it was from the time of Sayyidina umar only the construct that is made over it is smaller more compact and this was made with the consensus of a board of ulama, which was across the ummah of the Prophet وسلم, consisting of notable people. Also, Al-Masjid al-Haram was reconstructed, as I mentioned, in the time of Ibrahim salam But Al-Masjid al-Aqsa al-Sharif was then to be reconstructed by the descendants of Ibrahim salam Who are those descendants? The first. Descended is whom Sayyiduna Dawood alayhi salam. Now the story of how Sayyiduna Dawood alayhi salam, even reached the city of Jerusalem relates, of course, to the history of Sayyiduna Musa alayhi salam, because Ishaq alayhi salam, and his progeny they settle in a region. So Ibrahim alayhi salam has two children, Sayyiduna Ismail and Sayyiduna Ishaq alayhim two sons who are notable from the progeny of sayyiduna ibrahim alayhis salam sayyiduna isma'il salam is made to settle in the valley of, known as bakkah which is makkah al mukarram sayyiduna ishaq salam settles in an area known as hebron with the word ibran which is hebron in english which is in palestine ishaq salam has a son who is known as sayyiduna yaqub alayhis salam in English known as Jacob, but one of his titles is what? Israel, which is the servant of Allah. Israel means Allah in Hebrew. And this is where the names Jibrail, uh, all the names Mikael, they're all from Hebrew. And Sayyiduna Yaqub alayhi salam he settles in Hebron and he has twelve children, twelve sons, as we know of the story of. Sayyiduna Yaqub salam. one of those sons is whom Sayyiduna Yusuf salam, who has a brother whose name is Binyamin from the same mother otherwise Yaqub salam, married the first time he had 10 children from the first wife when she passed away he had two children from the younger wife Yusuf salam, then we know the story of Sayyiduna Yusuf salam, in al al Kareem the chapter, Yusuf, chapter number 12 of al quran Al Karim, relates the entire story. One of the few stories in the Quran which is not repeated in the Quran again. It's only mentioned once, the story of Yusuf Ali Salaam. He settles in Egypt. When he settles in Egypt, his brothers migrate to Egypt. Even Sayyiduna Yaqub Alayhi he is initially buried in Egypt. And then what happens in that time, the Hiksas period, in, in Egyptian history known as the Hyksos period, the Hyksos kings, they live in northern Egypt and southern Egypt is ruled by the Farahina, the pharaohs. Later on, as Egyptologists will tell you, the pharaohs dominated the Hyksos, and they conquered the north. When they conquered the north, this is why in the story of Yusuf in Surah to Yusuf, you notice the king of Egypt is not referred to as Fir'aun, he's referred to as Malik. Because the Hyksas never utilized the word Fir'aun, but later on in the time of Musa the title Fir'aun is utilized for the king. So then as the Hebrews, which is the correct term for them, Hebrews or Bani Israel, the progeny of Yaqub the real Israelites and the real Hebrews, when they resided in Egypt they are what enslaved by whom Firaun when they are enslaved we know the story of Musa he leaves uh, Egypt the exodus occurs they cross according to some the red sea and when they cross the red sea where do they go they go to the the peninsula the Sinai Peninsula which is mentioned in the Quran Turi Sinin and Sina These are names for the Sinai Peninsula. What is the Sinai Peninsula? If you look at a map, you will see the Arabian Peninsula. You will see the coast of Africa, Egypt, the coast of Egypt. From the coast of Africa, Egypt to the coast of Arabia, in between at the top, there is a small peninsula that is known as the Sinai Peninsula. The location of Mount Sinai is on that peninsula. Today there are some Christian evangelists who attempt to say that the Sinai mountain is located on the Arabian Peninsula, but this is muhalif mukhalif it goes against the consensus. From the time of the Sahaba Ali Muridwan until today, the Muslims always deemed the Sinai Peninsula as the location of the Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai is on that peninsula in fact there is a masjid on top of the mountain so initially the jews they constructed a synagogue then the christians constructed a church but then the final revelation which is al-islam the muslims constructed a masjid which finalizes everything and the mount sinai is one of the locations which a dajjal cannot enter so according to some ahadith the dajjal the false messiah cannot enter al masjid al haram he cannot enter al masjid al nabawi in fact he cannot enter the city of makkah al mukarrama he cannot enter the city of what al madinah al munawwarah but he cannot enter al masjid al aqsa so the the masjid aqsa complex he cannot enter that Ariel sharran when he attempted he was booted out with slippers meaning one of the greatest satans that lived in recent history he attempted to enter the al al Aqsa complex and he was humiliated. Anyone who attempts to denigrate the masjid from the so-called Israelis today, they will be denigrated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will be disgraced. So from this history, then Bani Israel, the children of Israel, السلام, they roam the desert with Musa السلام, for 40 years. Why? Because We know the story, what occurred, they craft a calf, a golden calf, and then they worship the calf on the instruction of a Samiri. And then Musa descends down from the mountain, from Mount Sinai. He has the calf destroyed and he brings the Bani Israel back to Tawheed of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But then they are condemned to roam the deserts. And they may have constructed small villages in the Arabian Peninsula, which explains the sites in Arabia. So when they claim that Sinai, those are not Sinai. uh, That is not Sinai. That is when the Bani Israel were roaming in the Arabian Peninsula. They left certain historical artifacts in Jordan, in Arabia for all this time. when they roamed around as Bedouin people, as nomadic people, then after Sayyiduna Musa السلام, passed away and according to some he is buried in Urika which is Jericho and Rasulullah on the night of al-Isra passed by his grave as mentioned in the Sahih of an Imam Muslim he said Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam marartu Musa I passed by the grave of Musa alayhi Ahmar under a dread dune hill huwa yusalli, And he was standing up praying in his grave. And then later on, some of them, Salatin, some of the Sultans, they attempted to locate the, uh, the grave and they determined it to be in Jericho. That's where the site today, the grave is in Jericho. That's according to the likes of Sultan Salahuddin al rahimahullah, who every year would take out an Urs, an anniversary of Musa al salih of, uh, during Easter time to counter the Christians, he would carry out an urs, an anniversary march from the city of Jerusalem to Jericho uh, with thousands of Muslims. They would reach the grave of Musa and then they would carry out acts of Ibadah at the site and a Sultan Salahuddin rahimallah, he would sit at a particular location and many of the Muslims would uh, want, they would leave a will a testament that they would want to be buried near the location of the grave of Musa al <laughs> So that is where Musa alayhi <laughs> passed away. As for Sayyiduna Harun alayhi <laughs> salam, he had passed away before. So Sayyiduna Harun al <laughs> passed away before Sayyiduna Musa al salam. <laughs> Some of them say that he is in fact buried on top of Jabal Uhud. On the top of Jabal Uhud, to this day there is a location which is claimed to be the grave of Harun alayhi salam. Of course, no grave is qat'i except the grave of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi and the shaykhine and also the grave of Sayyiduna Ibrahim alayhi salam, Sayyiduna Khalil in uh, Hebron, in Khalil, in the area of Khalil, which is in Jerusalem, uh, Palestine today. It's occupied, but it's in uh, this, the town known as Hebron, which is known in Arabic as Khalil. Khalil in reference to Sayyiduna Ibrahim Ali Salaam. And in ancient times, what would they do? They would go to Khalil Muslims. They would go to Khalil and even until recently, until 100 years ago. Of course, the Saudi dynasty took over in 1932, the entire region of Arabia. And then afterwards, the false entity of israel was constructed and that barred the muslims from doing what from going to al-masjid al aqsa but before that they would go to khalil when they would reach the city of khalil they would wear the ihram the two gowns for the hajj near the site of the grave of ibrahim why because this the ritual of hajj was initiated by ibrahim alayhi salam and then what would they do they would go with the ihram of course the wahhabis would refer to this as bid'ah but there are ulama who did this and there is a foundation for this but today is not the subject to elaborate on that but they would then go from khalil to al al-aqsa and pray in Al-Masjid al-aqsa two cycles because the reward of praying in al al-aqsa is the reward of 1000 salah or five hundred salam, depending on which narration you read, and then from Al Masjid Al Aqsa they would go to Al Masjid Al Nabawi Al Sharif, and convey their salam to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Of course, by ijma that's permitted, because all four madhahib give the fatwa of permission of visiting the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi meaning visitation of the grave of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi with intention. And they would pray in Al-Masjid al Sharif. Then from Al-Madina Al-Munawwarah, they would go ahead to do the Hajj. So, according to some narrations, Harun Al is buried on top of Mount Uhud. The location today may be barred off, or you may be able to visit the site. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best. But then when Bani Israel, they leave the Arabian Peninsula, they are commanded to carry out jihad at various intervals, even in the time of Musa AS, the stories that are mentioned in Suratul araf and elsewhere in Al-Quran Al-Kareem. But Sayyiduna Yusha bin Noon then led them in jihad. When they were commanded to do jihad, they conquered various lands. Now the Old Testament, what they refer to as a Torah or the Old Testament, it has some of those accounts but it validates violence, which we as Muslims do not, uh, do not hold any credence or credibility with regard to such violence like uh, the story of Samson and killing so many hundreds of people or the slaughter of women and children and animals mentioned in the Old Testament. In fact, the Bible is a religious text which sanctions killing of women and children, the Quran has no such sanctioning. N- and neither does the hadith of Rasulullah have any sanctioning of killing women and children. Of course, the illegal state of Israel takes its teachings from the Old Testament. While in Al-Quranul Kareem, you can read the Quran from cover to cover, you will find, never find any sanctioning of killing of women, children, captives, uh, innocent people. No innocent people, the leader is not instructed to kill any innocent people at all in the Quran and Sunnah. But in the Old Testament, we find guidelines for the IDF. Today you have the guidelines for the IDF found in the Old Testament. But when the Bani Israel were commanded to do Jihad, one of the places where they were commanded to do Jihad at a later date was the city of Jerusalem. And we find the story in Surah Al Baqarah. Within Surah Al Baqarah, you find the entire account where Talut is commanded to fight Jalut. Jalut in English, known as Goliath. Known as Goliath the giant. And Talut has a soldier with him who is known as Umm, Dawood alayhi salam. Now Dawud الصلاة, kills Jalud and he attains kingdom, al-Mulk. He is also referred to as Khalifa. And he, Khalifa meaning the caretaker of the earth. A, an inheritance which later would pass on to the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ in the form of Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq And then his successors until the Day of Judgment. But What occurred? Dawood is commanded to construct Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. He initiates the construction but is unable to complete it. In fact, you read the accounts, they mention accounts with regard to the land of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, how it was purchased. Again, because people had taken over the land and the attempt of Dawood attempting to reconstruct Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. But we know through Al-Quranul Kareem that the Masjid was actually completed by whom? Sayyiduna Sulaiman What is the story? That's the jinn kind were under the instruction of Sulaiman And Sayyiduna Sulaiman he had the jinn, the bad jinn, as captives, as captives. They constructed Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Sharif, the construction was completed by the time it was completed Sayyiduna Suleiman had passed away but the jinn did not realize that Suleiman was observing them leaning on a staff and he had passed away but because the bodies of Anbiya do not rot, they do not become putrid, in fact when they are placed back in the graves They go back to life. Their soul is placed back into them. So his body remained fresh and everything on him remained fresh. How? Like Sayyiduna Uzair Alayhi Salaam in Surah Al-Baqarah That's in reference to Sayyiduna Uzair Alayhi salam, that when he passed away, if you notice in his story, his clothing didn't rot. His body didn't rot. The donkey had rotted away. To the point that the donkey became bones, but anything attached to the nabi stayed fresh. And this is the state of the anbiya Ali Musarat was This is why the garments and their bodies do not rot away in the graves. So Sayyidina Sulaiman, he stayed fresh, of course, he's a nabi of Allah. So after days of him being having passed away, the only way they found out was the staff that he was leaning on. The staff, a creature had eaten away at the staff until the staff snapped from the weight. And then they realized that he had passed away. But by the time they scattered, the masjid had been completed. And then, when the masjid was completed, of course, the successors of Sulaiman were khulafa, they were successors. Where can we date this history of Al Masjid Al Aqsa? It becomes very difficult because the only historical data we have is the modern Bible. Of course, the modern illegal state of Israel has a team of archaeologists, an army of archaeologists attempting to validate their history from their own point of view. But of course, the modern Israeli state is actually Ashkenazi in origin meaning not Hebrew in origin the vast majority of them they are not Hebrew people they are not people uh, who are Semitic in nature with the exceptions there are exceptions uh, amongst them but the vast majority of them are Ashkenazi people who settled in Europe but prior to Europe they came from southern Russia meaning they have a Turkic origin they do not have a Middle Eastern origin but they attempt to graph their own history onto the region and they are attempting to find historical data which will validate their own version of history. But if we attempt to make a timeline, we can make a rough timeline. If firstly, we locate the Pharaoh from the time of Musa Some people say that Pharaoh was Ramesses the the most plausible candidate. There are others as well. And then from Egypt, Egyptian history, you look down the dates B.C. before Christ, before Isa, you track down the history. We know what happened. Nebuchadnezzar, who is known as Bukht Nasr in Arabic. He then does what he enters. The kingdom which is known as Israel because they divided amongst themselves when they indulged in shirk, in polytheism, idolatry, and violating the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they split amongst themselves. They even placed some of them, some of their rulers placed idols in the al masjid al aqsa, they tampered their teachings, and it was at that point that the formulation of what is known as Judaism came about because Judaism is a racial religion, ascribing itself to one tribe, which is the tribe of Judah. So being a Jew is an ascription to the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Judah had its split with the rest of the Bani Israel. And this is the formulation of what is known as Judaism. Judaism is a reference to a racial religion. Then they were imprisoned and placed in Babylon, and this is where they followed Sehar, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala makes reference to this in al Qur'an al-Karim regarding what ما أنزل على ببابل وماروت ببابل is in reference to Babylon that uh, ma tatlu ala mulki that they followed the shayatin. what the shayatin recited in the mulk, in the kingdom of Suleiman and وَمَا and what was revealed upon the two angels Harut and Marut, this was while they were captives in Babylon, Babylon is where its west of Al-Kufa and then as captives they were scattered everywhere afterwards but then the romans permitted them to return back when they were permitted to return back to the city of jerusalem they reconstructed al masjid al aqsa and this is the time when sayyiduna isa salam he preaches to bani israel now sayyiduna isa Ali salam is dispatched to bani israel but there is something to note his mother, Sayyidatuna Maryam, was from Bani Israel. But Isa, he has no father. So he is not completely Bani Israel. He is only Bani Israel from the aspect of his mother. Otherwise, Isa, in terms of his father's lineage, he has no father. Therefore, he cannot be ascribed to Bani Israel in that sense, in the sense of his father. He has no father. So he is only born from a woman. So his lineage does not go through a man. It goes only through Sayyidatuna Maryam But at that time, there is the Anbiya like whom Sayyiduna Zakariya and Sayyiduna Yahya This is around before zero, the year zero. Before the year zero, you have some Anbiya wasalam, within the city of Jerusalem. One of them is Sayyiduna Zakariya Where is he located? In Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. So you open Surah Maryam, uh, wasalam, you'll find the entire story of Zakariya Where does that occur? That entire story it occurs in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And the Muslims, they retained the historical location. So when you go to Al-Masjid al Aqsa today, you will find the Mihrab of Zakariya alayhi The location is still preserved. Where did Zakariya do his dua and the dua was answered? That is preserved. Of course it's preserved by Ahl wal Jama'ah. Because if the Wahhabis they govern the masjid, they will remove all these things. Never have the Shia governed the city in recent history, and never have the Wahhabis governed the city. The Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, they preserved all the sites. So where Zakariya performed the Dua, that area is preserved. And then what happens is that Sayyiduna Isa he enters the city of Jerusalem. Where does he reside? He resides on the Mount of Olives, which is East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem today is under occupation, but according to the UN, it should be under the Palestinian authority, East Jerusalem. So when you go to the city of Jerusalem, you go to East Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives is located in East Jerusalem. It's about 15 minute walk away from the citadel, the citadel of the city of Jerusalem. Sayyidun Isa he enters the city. And he goes into Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and he finds. Now remember, Bani Israel, those who remain of them. Bani Israel, racially, those who remain of them. They are now religiously misguided. Why are they religiously misguided? Because when they formed this false teaching of Judaism, which is not the message of Musa, they permit usury. And when they permit usury, they permit other things. Sayyiduna Isa finds them carrying out the act of banking in Al Masjid al Aqsa. So, bankers are not something new. They were found even in Roman times. And then, this was a profession adopted by people who happened to be of the Jewish faith, but not from Hebrew lineage, from Ashkenazi lineage, in Europe also, because usury was prohibited to the Christians. So, for instance, when Richard, the so-called Lionheart was crowned, anti-Jewish riots broke out in England. Why? Because most of the tax collectors were Jewish. And this is the source of what is referred to as anti-Semitism today in Europe. Anti-Semitism is a European problem. And Muslims should never adopt the interpretation of the Europeans with regard to the Jews because the Jews lived in safety in Darul Islam. They lived in safety amongst Muslims in Spain for hundreds of years. Yes, they were Ahlul Dima, but they lived in safety. They lived in safety in Morocco and continue to live in safety in Morocco. And they live in safety across the Muslim world in many places. So Muslims cannot adopt what is known as anti-Semitism. Of course, the Ashkenazi are not Semitic, but this narrative because anti-Semitism Developed in Europe. It's a European thing. So, Sayyidina Isa he enters Al Masjidul Aqsa and he overturns the tables. And this leads to animosity of the rabbis. The rabbinical leadership is now against Sayyidina Isa. But this historical event occurred in Al Masjidul Aqsa. So then they devise a plan. ومكار they plotted against. Isa salam. but Allah subhanahu wa taala has his divine will, his divine taqdeer, his qadr. and Allah subhanahu wa taala has the best of what divine, uh, the best of what uh, in his knowledge with regard to anyone. So what happened at that point is that Isa salam, he has the meet uh, the meeting with his companions who are known in Christianity as apostles and they meet up for the last supper where do they meet they meet near the grave of daud salam so today when you go to the city to jerusalem you will go to the the grave of daud salam when you go to the grave of sayyiduna daud salam you present your salam to sayyiduna daud salam you will notice the occupiers the the israeli so-called Israeli occupiers who are occupying the site. But they prohibit Muslims from going upstairs into the masjid which was constructed by Salahuddin Al Ayyubi in the upstairs hall which is the location of the Last Supper. Why did the Muslims construct that masjid? To preserve the area where Sayyiduna Isa had visited. But if you go up, you will find that there is a masjid, but they do not permit anyone to utilize the masjid because it's an occupation now. They leave the masjid derelict, and it's an attempt to finish off Muslim history in Jerusalem. So when you go to give salam, you go and give salam to Sayyidina Dawood, you do not show any type of respect to the occupiers. A Muslim should never show any type of respect to them. You should ignore them. You ignore them entirely. You do not pay any attention to them. Act as if they are not there. And you go and you give salam to Sayyidina Dawood. Ignore them completely, the occupiers. And then you can go up to the masjid and visit the masjid also. You will see the location. And nearby is what is known as the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is where Sayyiduna Isa salam, worshipped Allah subhana wa ta'ala before the Roman soldiers arrived. And according to many of these uh, commentators, then Sayyiduna Isa was raised at that point, which is referenced in the Quran, which is that Isa was raised up at that point. What occurred later, we know from the history, like historians like Josephus in his antiquities, he mentions that the entire city of Jerusalem later was what ransacked by the Romans because of zealots, uh, the uh, rebellion against the Romans, where the Bani Israel attempted to take over the city. And then the Romans vanquished all the Bani Israel. They were scattered across the earth, uh, which became known as the diaspora, with the scattering of. Uh, Bani Israel across the world. Some of them are real Bani Israel, like some of the Bani Israel in Yemen, the ones in Yemen, or in Iraq, or in Syria, or in Egypt, or in Morocco. These are real Bani Israel. Some, many of them became Muslim. They entered the fold of Islam, like Abdullah bin Salam. They became Muslims. or uh, Many of them adopted Islam, and they entered the fold of Islam and today some of what we know as Palestinians are in fact Bani Israel genetically speaking the minority of Bani Israel that remained in other countries who stayed on the Judaic religion they are the real Bani Israel so when the Ashkenazis they adopted Judaism when did they adopt Judaism in around the seventh century seventh century Christian era When they adopted Judaism, they became known as Jews also and they settled in Europe. Now, of course, you have the history of how the modern Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, they were persecuted in Europe and then formulated the state of Israel, an illegal entity within the Palestinian lands. And then they brought in all the various types of Bani Israel from across the world. Because some of them who believe in an apocalyptic interpretation of the Torah, they believe that the Akhirul Zaman cannot, the Messiah cannot appear, what they know as Mashiikh. He cannot appear until all the Bani Israel are located in Jerusalem, in that surrounding area. So they even attempt to entice some of the Afghanis who have Bani Israel genetic to come to uh, the illegal entity of Israel. But the problem is that some of those Afghanis, they are what? They are Muslims. They also attempt some of the people of Kashmir who are Bani Israel genetic to come to the state of Israel. But the problem they have is that they are also Muslims. So then what occurs when the Romans, they attack the city of Jerusalem, they desecrate the city and they violate the sanctity of the Masjid -Masjid Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Sharif. The Masjid site is left. Some of the remnants of the Masjid remain, the walls like we have today. For instance, you go around Britain, you will find ancient sites which go back to over 2000 years, but not many years went by in comparison. Only a few hundred years went up to the point of laylatul isra wal miraj so when rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam travels from the night journey in makkah al mukarrama to al masjid al aqsa the site of the Masjid is still there the ancient ruins are still there because the romans did not permit anyone to go onto the site in fact they only permitted people to utilize the site for heaping rubbish at a certain point they only allowed people to place their rubbish, the Christians. The Romans, when they adopted Christianity, Paulian Christianity, because the message of Sayyiduna Isa a.s. was Islam. It was not anything different to Islam. But then the, the message of Sayyiduna Isa a.s. was tampered by Paul. Now Paul, who was, was known as Saul of Tarsus, he was originally from Turkey but racially he was Ben israel he had a conversion a sudden conversion on the road to damascus when he had this sudden conversion which is a common thing with sometimes when someone is zealot a zealot against something so bad psychologically they can have sometimes a conversion into that thing so if someone goes overboard regarding any sect or overboard with regard to any religion sometimes psychologically they can have a conversion to that religion or conversion to that sect is mentioned by psychiatrists like william Sargent in his book the battle for the mind it explains why paul had this sudden conversion but paul then tampered the teachings of sayyiduna isa and he of course had adversity with james james was known as the brother of isa Whether he is acknowledged as the brother of Isa in Islam in Christianity he is known as James, the brother of Jesus. So there were two conflicting teachings. There was the real teaching of Salam, which is Islam. And there was the conflicting teaching of Paul of Tarsus. Paul of Tarsus, he tampers the teaching of Sayyiduna Isa a.s. but the teaching spreads and we know that some of the companions of isa preached islam so in surah yaseen for instance you have the story of the people who go to a town and preach in surah yaseen similarly in Surah Al kahf the story of the people of the cave the people the seven youngsters who fell asleep in the cave they were people who adopted real islam and the real teaching of isa salam Likewise, you have St. Peter's Basilica in Rome today, St. Peter's Basilica is supposedly the site where St. Peter, Peter the Rock who Isha, said according to the New Testament, according to the Christian teaching that I shall build my church on you, meaning a rock. And what happened, they say that he went to Rome to preach Islam, it must have been Islam and what happened that the romans persecuted him and killed him and he was buried on that site so the vatican church is literally constructed upon the body and the tomb of saint peter so this type of christianity spread and when eventually uh, constantine the emperor who constructed constantinople on seven hills like rome was constructed on seven hills when he adopted Paulian Christianity and they selected only four Gospels from all the hundreds of Gospels of course four tampered Gospels the Christians then persecuted the Jews even more so the Romans already persecuted what became known as Judaism but genetically Bani Israel or anyone who adopted Judaism became known as a Jew so you had two types you had people who were racially the people who were Hebrew and they stayed Jewish in religion. They adopted the religion of Judaism, meaning not the deen of Musa which was Islam. And then you had people who believed in Judaism, but racially they were not Ben Israel. They became known as Jews also, like Ka'ab al-Ahbar. Ka'ab al-Ahbar was an Arab, but he adopted Judaism. And then later on, he became a Muslim, but genetically he was an Arab. But you had some of the Bani Israel located in al Madina, Al-Munawwarah. They were actually Bani Israel. They had lineages back to Musa A.S. They had lineages back to Harun A.S. They were real Bani Israel. Later, many of them adopted Islam, but most of them, they were scattered. You know the story of what happened after Khaybar, that they were taken as captives. And then in the time of Sayyiduna, Uh, Many of them were made to uh, exile the Arabian Peninsula uh, which modern day Israel by the way makes an issue with regard to the seerah of the Prophet which is not the subject of today but what happened then when they scattered across the globe they either adopted other religions or became Muslim and some of them remained as minorities throughout the world But at that point, the Ashkenazi Jews also adopted Judaism and became known as Jews also. So when when the Christians, the Roman Christians persecuted Bani Israel, they did not give importance to the location of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. So what occurs after Al-Isra wa Al-Mi'raj, the conquest of Jerusalem under a leader which, who is known as whom? Sayyiduna Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, who is also prophesied in the original Torah. In the original Torah Sayyiduna Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, is prophesied as the one who will conquer the city. What happens? Remember there was a companion known as Sayyiduna Tamim al-Dari عنه, a Palestinian companion which is important because this palestinian companion is the only companion who ever saw dajjal along with his own companions who were from the tribe of lakhm they were arabs from lakhm they cr- they traveled from the mediterranean sea they became lost perhaps in a vortex perhaps in a parallel universe perhaps on a real island on earth allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best you can never speculate but what happened, they met Ad-Dajjal in the famous long hadith of tamim Ad-Dari anh, which is important because Ad-Dajjal is a Jewish Messiah. He is the Jewish Messiah. He is the Mashikh. But a Palestinian meets him. This is a point to note. Then the same Sahabi, Tamim Ad-Dari is the same Sahabi who brings the oil from Palestine to Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi, Al-Sharif. But not only oil, he brings the lamp. So prior to Tamima Dari radiallahu entering Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi Al-Sharif when they needed light at night time they would make a fire in the middle of the masjid. When they would make a fire in the middle of the masjid uh, that was how they lighted up the masjid. Later on Sayyiduna Tamima Dari radiallahu anh, he brings lamps, oil lamps from Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Sharif. And this is important because Rasulullah then exhorts the people saying whoever is able to, the meaning of which is go to Al Masjid Aqsa. He should go and pray two cycles of prayer. And in one narration, there is a reward mentioned for the one who places lamps lighting in Al Masjid Aqsa. Why is that mentioned? Palestine has no lack of oil lamps but Rasulullah is alluding to and allah knows best with regard to the occupation of the masjid and the upkeep of the masjid in akhiru zaman in the end of time now this companion tamim adari radiyallahu anhu Rasulullah had a will written for him what was the will that the land of Khalil, Ibr- the, what is known as Hebron, belongs to Tamim Adari. So the entire land of Hebron belongs to Tamim Adari, and there is another region also located in Palestine which is given to Tamim Adari. So that means the land of Khalil belongs to Tamim Adari and his descendants, Muslim descendants, based upon what the written document of Rasulullah. sallallahu So no occupation. Is ever permitted. So, if any ruler today says that we permit the uh, the so-called Israelis to stay occupying on the land, that will never be validated in Al Islam. Abdullah bin Bayyah and others can write as many fatwas as they want. The land remains the land of the Muslims until the end of times. Otherwise, why would the companions Ali Muridwan have shed their blood for the land? They would be answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Yom Al Qiyamah to all those Sahaba who shed their blood on the land for the emancipation of the land from the Roman occupation. So then what happens? Great companions from amongst Al Ashratul Mubashara, whom Abu Ubaidah bin Al Jarrah radiyallahu an, great companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and others they are the conquerors of what Bilad sham and Sayyiduna Khalid bin al Walid. they conquer cities like Jerusalem, but they also conquer which city? Uh, Damascus and other cities. But when they enter Damascus, they enter from two directions. They enter from the east and the west. Some of them enter as conquerors, from one direction, another group of them enter with a peace deal. Both of the armies meet in the middle of what is Al-Masjid Al-Umawi today. Now Al-Masjid Al-Umawi, historically, it was the temple for Saturn. First, it was the temple for Saturn for the Romans. Then when the Romans adopted Christianity, they made it a church. When the Sahaba conquer Al-Masjid al-Umawi, remember which Nabi is buried in the masjid? Sayyiduna Yahya, his head is buried in the masjid. Sayyiduna Yahya alayhi salam. So the Christians had preserved the head of Yahya alayhi salam and they buried the head in the church. But what happens? Two segments of the armies of the Sahaba enter. One conquers through war. The other one enters through peace from the other gate. Half the church is then made into a masjid, showing that Sultan Muhammad Al Fatih, rahimahullah, Ta'ala, did no wrong by making Hayah Sophia into a masjid. It's the sunnah of the Sahaba Ali Muridwan. Half the church is made into a masjid. The other half is left. Why? Because they gave the city in peace. So when we conquer with peace, we leave the church when we conquer by war we have the right to ch- change holy sites into our own holy sites that is the legal stance so later on during the bani Umayyah rule some of the the khalifas of the bani umayyah one of them he purchased the rest of the church so half of al-masjid al-umawi was conquered and made into a masjid by ijma of the companions consensus of the sahaba and then the other half was purchased and made into a masjid. They purchased that. The entire story is found in Al Bidayah wa Nihayah Ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah Taala. Likewise, they enter Jerusalem, but prior to entering Jerusalem, the bishop of Jerusalem gives away the city. He gives away the city on the condition that the leader of the Muslims which is Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab he can enter the city. So what did the Muslims do? They left all the churches. So the, the site of the Holy Sepulchre, the claim that Isa a.s. was crucified on the site of the church of the sepulchre, the church is left. The church of the nativity is left. The Muslims leave their churches intact. They do not forcefully make the churches into masajid this is why the claim that sultan muhammad al fatih did a wrong thing is a wrong claim sultan muhammad al fatih rahimallah was a pious righteous ruler who is mentioned in the hadith of rasulullah then what happens they write a letter the sahaba the conquering companions ali muridwan they write a letter to sayyiduna umar ibn khattab Sayyiduna Umar عنه, he carries out Majlis al consultation. In that consultation, Sayyidina Ali عنه, he gives the best advice. He says, if you do not go and take the city through peace, the Romans, the Christian Romans will have a change of mind and then they will regroup against the Muslims. So Sayyiduna Umar عنه, he marches out to the city of Jerusalem. The story is well known that he rode one camel with his servant Aslam. And then he reaches the, the citadel and he reaches a mountain which is known as Jabal-u-Mukabbir. Because when he reached the mountain, you will see this mountain in the city of Jerusalem. He saw Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa from far, meaning the site. And he said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So the mountain became known as jabal mukabbir mountain of the one who says takbir. And then the bishop takes him around the city of Jerusalem and he gives them guarantees, but he also writes down the shurut umari the conditions for the Christians. There are conditions, limitations of what they can and cannot do. And they are made ahlul jizya, that they must give jizya, which is the solution for the current occupation, that the Muslims must demand from the residents Jews and Christians jizya they will have safety and the Sharia of Allah rules that is the solution that Jews can reside in Jerusalem Christians can reside in Jerusalem but they must pay jizya and be ruled under the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what does that mean they can rule themselves according to the Torah the Jews can rule themselves according to the Torah the Christians can rule themselves according to the Injil and the Torah, but the, they must pay jizya to the Muslims. That is the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the only peaceful solution, also. The other solutions are not peaceful. So then, Sayyiduna Umar anhu, the famous story in the, the church of the sepulchre, he prays outside. And the Muslims constructed a masjid, which is known as Masjid Umar. And then what happens? He is taken to the site of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. He observed that the Christians have been throwing, dumping so many things on the site out of hatred for Judaism. So what does Sayyiduna Umar command? He commands everyone to clean the site. So they clean the site, the entire complex is cleaned. And then he says he takes Shura consultation. Where should we construct the Masjid? So the entire site is a Masjid. But a limited building needs to be constructed for Salah, for prayer. So al akbar who was a convert from Judaism to Islam, an Arab convert, which shows that Islam has no such concept as anti-Semitism because Rasulullah had a wife who was genetically Bani Israel, Sayyidatuna Safiya there is no racial uh, hatred in Islam. But what happened, Ka'ab al ahbar he advised that the masjid be constructed behind the Sakhr. What is the Sakhr? The sakhl is the, the rock. Now, what is this rock? This in Judaism is known as the holy of holies. So if you read the Old Testament, when they needed to present a sacrifice to God, they would go to the holy of holies and they would sacrifice on the rock for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is the significance of the rock in Islam? That rock, in one hadith narrated by Ibn Majah, من الجنة والعجوة من الجنة min من الجنة min al- min The rock meaning the rock in Jerusalem is from paradise. And the ajwa dates are from paradise. So from what we say, this rock was the qibla of all the previous Anbiya alayhi And was also the qibla for the Prophet sallallahu So Rasulullah in Makkah al-Mukarrama would pray in the direction of the Kaaba behind the Kaaba in such a way that it was facing jerusalem at the same time this is how muslims would pray until that was abrogated in al-madina al-munawwara so the sakhr was the qibla for all the previous anbiya so that is the importance of the rock so the rock is the center point of al-masjid al-aqsa which is the complex but Sayyidina umar wanted to know where should we construct our building So Ka'ab al Akbar said, behind the rock. Why behind the rock? So we can face the rock. Uh, Sayyidina Umar did not like this advice because he said, you still have some Jewish beliefs within you. So he decided to build the masjid ahead of the rock, which became known as Al-Qibali, Al-Masjid Al-Qibali, which is the masjid in the Qibla direction. So the masjid where most of the Muslims pray today is the one in the Qibla direction. But the Muslims still preserved the rock. And they had a masjid Abdul Malik bin Marwan constructed the current site of the golden dome. So the dome of the rock was constructed by Abdul Malik bin Marwan, showing that the rock is also of importance. This means Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is the entire complex. So if someone claims today, meaning the current occupying forces, they claim that the Muslims can have their masjid, which they mean Al-Qibali. But we should have our own synagogue on the site of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, which is the entire complex. This is totally impermissible in Islam. And any fatwa or any mufti who gives such a fatwa is misguided. Such a person is a miscreant such a person is an agent of a Dajjal. If they say, if they give a fatwa in the future that we can have a church or a synagogue located on the Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the complex. This is totally impermissible and such a person has sold his deen. He has sold his deen to the Zionist entity. So when we talk about the preservation of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Sharif, it's the entire complex is a masjid for the Muslims. It means the preservation of the, the Sahra, which is the stone and the golden dome on the, the, the masjid which has been constructed and Al-Qibali, the masjid at the front, as well as the entire complex. Now, what happened at a later date? We know of the Christian crusader conquest of Jerusalem and the occupation and then the emancipation under sultan salahuddin layubi radiya allahu an. but what happened after the conquering of sultan salahuddin layubi rahimallahu ta'ala was that he placed all uh, markings on all the historical sites and then a dawlatul Uthmania, the uthmani caliphate they also placed markings all over the aqsa complex so when you go today To Al-Aqsa complex, you will see different markings, musalla markings, various markings. Each one of these has a historical significance. Like a certain Alim may have prayed in a certain place or a certain Nabi may have prayed in a certain place. There is history behind the Mihrabs that they constructed. Every single marking has a history. Therefore, the entire site is belongs to Islam, belongs to the Muslims. In fact, the entire city, Jerusalem belongs to Islam. So those markings left by the Ottomans is something when you visit, you must find out the historical re- relevance of those markings. There are over 200 markings. What is the future of the city? The future of the city is mentioned by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi that the Khilafah will move from city to city. It has moved from Al Madina Al Munawwara. Remember, whenever the Khilafah moves from a city, it doesn't go back to that city. The Khilafah moved from Al Madina Al Munawwara to Al Kufa under the rule of Sayyiduna Ali. Then from Al Kufa, it moved to Damascus, Damishq under the rule of Muawiyah after the peace with the Imam al hassan Then from Damascus, it moved to the city of Baghdad, which was constructed by Banu Abbas. Then from Baghdad, momentarily it moved to where? To Cairo. And then from Cairo, it moved to Istanbul, to Constantinople. Constantinian, and it was abolished in Constantinople, formally in 1924. But we know prior to that, under the last a real Khalifa was a Sultan Abdul Hamid a Thani, rahim allah taala. But the Khilafah shall return. And the Hadith mentions that it shall return, and it will conquer the city of Jerusalem. So that is the future the city will be reconquered it will be reconquered by muslims who realize their ubudiya to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the muslims realize their ubudiya and become real servants of allah they will conquer the city of jerusalem and then when they conquer the city they will allow the jews and the christians and any other faith to live peacefully peacefully in the city with the jizya and they will become ahlu dhimma which is people of protection they will be protected by the Muslims and that is the future of the city of Jerusalem we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he restored the city of Jerusalem and the Palestinian lands back to Ahlul Islam and not to any nationalist entity to the Khilafah insha'Allah ta'ala in the future anna Sayyidina Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallama